0: Welcome to the Life Change Podcast. Panhandle Weight Loss Center is a unique surgical practice focused on changing lives. Our approach moves away from the singular goal of weight loss and encompasses one of overall health and wellness. This podcast explores a variety of topics inside the realm of health and wellness, including nutrition, fitness, lifestyle issues, and even surgery. The goal of this program is to inspire listeners to take a critical review of your life as we guide you towards a paradigm that translates to life change. again today we got chelsea nelson registered dietitian lead security at redeemer
1: Church. <laughs> yes that's me hello
0: international <laughs> woman of mystery
1: <laughs> undercover agent
0: every time i talk to you something new comes up that's right um anyways we're going to talk about mindful eating and
1: yeah. pros and cons that's right maybe some of the downfalls
0: okay well chelsea's going to lead this because this was <clears throat> this was her idea to talk about mindful eating i think it's something I it's a catch word it's a clickbait word mm-hmm, i think on the sure. internet yep like keto it's a health uh,
1: and wellness trend of 2022 yeah I
0: mean, there's books are there any books written on mindful eating
1: yeah there is actually um a book called intuitive eating i think the author's name is evelyn tribal um she's a dietitian she kind of pioneered this mindful eating movement but many many years ago before it became you know a fad
0: well, give us some background on her. It sounds like you, I mean, you nailed her name. So let's start with that.
1: <laughs> okay, don't quote me on her name, but I think that's right. No, so her background is more in eating disorders. And actually that is how I got started being a dietitian as well. And so um, in these patients who are hyper focused on food for whatever reason um, you've got both ends of the spectrum right and then everything in between and so just trying to get back to healing that relationship with food um, and creating less anxiety around food itself that's really what intuitive eating that's that's the background of intuitive eating
0: yeah and I always thought it kind of came out of the era of the the, the clean your plate era oh but, for sure yeah you, know, you got like my grandparents coming out of you know depression era my parents being kids of those you know uh uh, parents and then you know my parents weren't so much of that mentality but my grandparents definitely were if you you put that on the plate you better Mm -hmm. eat it yeah Um, happy plate club yeah and (laughs) you know i kind of lived by that for a while like hey look sure plate plates clean twice Uh, yeah
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, and two, you know, she has kind of extrapolated it to feeding your children and hoping to, you know, all of us are truly born intuitive eaters. And so hoping to foster that in your children rather than suppress it, which I think is really kind of what we are all naturally kind of doing. Like we're, in general, because it's easier, right? It's like, eat your food quick, kids. Like, I'm tired of sitting here at the table. Or like, eat this because this is what I want you to eat and not what you want to eat. And there's some validities to that, which we'll talk about. (laughs) Uh, But also some invalidities, you know?
0: So this would be good for, because I do get lots of questions about how to raise kids and health and wellness. And my wife and I actually did the podcast, which at the end we were like, did we really address anything? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, when you talk about intuitive eating, as kids, uh, there's some limitations there because they have parents. It's not like they go do right. their own. Sh- if my kids shopped, it'd just be like a carton full of uh, candy. Yeah, fruit and, snacks. Uh, there'd be like one like piece of broccoli. So, <laughs> yeah. Look, look, we bought some broccoli. Just for good measure, yeah. yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear your takes on that <clears throat> as far as how do you let kids, I mean, as adults, we, we make our own decisions, but kids don't ultimately... Mm-hmm. make their own decisions so intuitive eating with kids I, I for sure I, that, that'll be like minute 38 okay sounds good remind okay.
1: me on that if I forget because right. I have some good info <laughs> um also because I have a four and a five-year-old so you know there we go we're in the trenches right now of intuitive eating with kids
0: well, I got a five and a four-year-old you got a four and a five I got a five and. a four
1: uh, year old. okay and you also have a third <laughs>
0: She's on cruise control.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You've been in the game for a while. Okay, so just what is mindful eating? I think uh, the definition that we kind of go by, it's paying attention to your food on purpose, moment by moment, without judgment. Um, so it's thinking of everything from the beginning, you know, from where was this food grown? How was it harvested? How did it even reach my plate? Um, it also involves the grocery shopping side of things, the preparing of the meal, and then the consumption of the meal, as well as how you feel afterwards. Um, so it's a lot, right? Um, but But ultimately, it's just the approach where it focuses on your uh, awareness of what you're eating um, and then how that makes you feel and what that does to your body. So that's a general, I guess, definition.
0: That was a long definition.
1: (laughs) I Googled it. I'm just Um, kidding. I got it from a book. No, I wrote it down. (laughs) <laughs> Y'all, I have to have notes. I'm like a checklist kind of person. Yeah, I,
0: I, you have the most put together yeah. notes for a podcast I've ever seen.
1: I even highlighted them. Mm-hmm. In,
0: in two different colors.
1: Yeah, two different colors. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be pretty, okay? You were that person in school? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, you, you were that person who always went and found.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was the one who had the notes that everyone would copy.
0: Well, good. Well, um, what do you want to dive in?
1: Okay, so maybe just some examples of what is not mindless or mindful eating, so mindless eating. Um, So I think probably the biggest one that I see um, is eating your food really fast, which we both just did with our lunch so we could record this podcast, right?
0: You didn't have to just do (laughs) that.
1: Yeah, we're both guilty, but that's part of mindful eating too, is knowing that, hey, sometimes. It's going to happen. That's just life.
0: I'm slowly drinking this cup of coffee now. Okay. Oh,
1: you know what? Good for you. All right. Helping that metabolism. <laughs> Mindful. Mindful of it. Yeah. Um, eating past the point of fullness. All right. Um, ignoring your hunger. So you know, you've got your hunger and you're like, you know what? I'm just too busy. I'm going to skip lunch. I'm going to just keep moving and grooving. Next time I eat is going to be in the evening. So that's an example of mindless eating. Um, eating out of emotion. Um, eating whenever you're bored, whenever you're stressed, whenever you're depressed even happy. Um, So not all of these are like a negative connotation. Like it's normal to, okay, hey, it's a birthday party. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to have, I don't know, something that you normally wouldn't have, even if you're not hungry. Um, So some of that's normal, but it's like, what are we doing on the consistent basis? We talk a lot about 80-20. So, you know, what are you doing on the 80% of the time? Are you eating because you're bored? Are you eating because you're stressed? Or are you eating past the point of fullness?
0: Okay. Well, just further 80-20. If I'm I'm eating... I'm mindful and eating well what's what's strike mindful from that. If I'm if I'm on my game eighty percent of the time, the twenty percent of the time is not gonna be detrimental. Right, exactly. Eighty, 80 twenty. Eating? Yeah, it's yeah. not
1: gonna like really take you off course. That that twenty percent is just called life happens sure does. So, (laughs) and you know that if you have kids, like we're going to talk about, um, okay. So benefits of mindful eating. So one of the key like concepts of mindful eating is slowing down when you eat, um, which is one of the things that we encourage a lot of our patients to do. So just so you know, if you're one of our patients, we do that on purpose, uh, for a lot of reasons, but one of which it actually helps with your digestion. Um, there's a lot of enzymes that are produced and things like that, that start even in your mouth. And so if you can slow that process down, I would say most people just, based upon my observation, have a meal and finish within about five minutes. There's generally a bit of a delay in some signaling. And so you want to stretch it out to closer to 15, 25, 30 minutes even uh, to get that full benefit. And that's where you can see decrease in the amount of food that you eat um, because you're eating slower. So you're actually recognizing, hey, I'm full so I can stop.
0: So maybe have a conversation with somebody while you're eating.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Sit at the dinner table, have a conversation Put your fork down between bites. Chew it well.
0: Well, I think you know we're we're stepping outside of just nutrition now into the the mental social component of of eating. Um, yeah, I think dinner uh, lunches were were you know if you look at an, ancestral type living were it was a social event. You know, Gronk didn't go grab his lamb leg and crawl off into his cave and not talk to anybody <laughs> while he devoured it. You right. Know, it was, yeah you know you were feeding the family you were talking planning um so it, it's i think it's just a symptom of the uh, of or a sign of the times like we're all we're all busy mm-hmm. right okay. so just just like i just ate that salad as fast as i could so we could do this podcast it's like <laughs> right. I, I got this schedule i gotta i gotta do this i gotta eat this um which lunch can be difficult but dinner for sure right you know uh Spend time with your family. Yeah, start there. That's a great starting place. Talk talk to somebody. Ask a question between, choose.
1: Yeah, and you know, that also is another aspect of mindful eating is kind of reducing anxiety or stress around food. You're less likely to be thinking about oh my goodness, I have, I don't know, a cookie on my plate. Um, You're less likely to be thinking about that portion and like having stress over that whenever you're chatting with your family and having a good time. Um, So not that, you know, necessarily that's a a good or a bad thing. It's just you're going to be more likely to enjoy your meal. And there's a lot of, and we've kind of talked about this before, but a lot of uh, things in the body that go on whenever you have a positive experience at a meal. That are positive for like weight maintenance and weight loss stuff like that. Yeah,
0: and, and also like I said, the mental component. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Well, good. So we've kind of got a, a good <clears throat> understanding of what it, what mindless eating
1: is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Um, so you know, if I stop at toot and totem and grab a Snickers just yep. because I'm low energy, right? what's that? Is that?
1: Yeah, that's one of those quick, convenient decisions where you probably didn't think it all the way through. Because if you had thought it all the way through, you would have thought, number one, why am I hungry? Was it because earlier in the day, like I failed to have a balanced meal or I failed to nourish my body in some way? Um, or maybe is it, I've just been super active, so I'm just needing a little extra today. Uh, so you kind of failed to recognize that first. You just went straight for the quick fix. Um, and then two, you failed to recognize, uh, well, other times when I've eaten a Snickers, when I've been hungry, it keeps me full for, well, I don't know, 30 minutes.
0: It makes me extremely more tired. <laughs> yeah. And course.
1: then I go to sleep at my desk. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you kind of fail to recognize those things, which is all we want to recognize those as part of mindful eating.
0: So how do you, because you, you said something in there uh, about like, I feel hunger, but I choose not to eat. Uh, do you, do you call that is that would that be mindless or being like so say if somebody's you know doing some intermittent fasting or time restricted feeding and because a lot of people do talk about like that that first time you feel hunger like asking yourself am I am I really hungry sure and then because a lot of times hunger if you look hormonally like it kind of spikes and then it, it, mm-hmm. it, all those hormones that are producing hunger kind of go back to baseline if you just kind of mindfully
1: push it aside <laughs> push it aside
0: for a second yeah
1: no I think that it depends so I think number one like specifically with intermittent fasting there's a difference between just not eating breakfast and and fasting you know like fasting is usually deciding not to yeah it's an intentional choice and typically you're doing something else during that time that's benefiting your health maybe some exercise maybe some extra sleep maybe some meditation yeah. you know something like that
0: yeah so no I, I've thought about that a lot because you know we'll, we'll talk to people I'm only eating one meal a day um, and well why do you do that well I'm too busy I'm like well that's the reason you're not getting a benefit out of it mm-hmm. because if it's not a mindful like I'm doing I'm I'm making this decision because I want to lose weight or I want aging benefit or I want anti-cancer benefit that's a lot different than just being so busy that you forget to eat Absolutely. Right.
1: Right. Well, and two, and I think you'd agree with me on this, is that usually with things like fasting, it's done on a, a cyclical basis. Like you don't just intermittent fast every day for the rest of your life. Right. I mean, maybe you do. I, <laughs> I, I don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Most people I know don't. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you might fast for 12 hours for a couple of weeks and then you go back to only fasting for six hours, eight hours. Um, so it's kind of done on a, a not consistent basis. And so I think that's the difference, right? Because if you're doing that every single day um, and you're ignoring those body signals every single day, that's something where you are training your body to kind of go against its natural... Uh, needs and desires and signaling. Yeah,
0: so like personally, um, so I, I intermittent fast. I try to you know push that first meal till you know twelve thirty. Mm-hmm. But if I'm at home and the kids are awake and I'm gonna and they're gonna have breakfast while I'm there, mm-hmm. I, I usually eat breakfast. So it's yeah. it's sporadic, right? Like it could I could eat breakfast two days a week. I could not eat breakfast at all that week. I could eat breakfast four times. Uh, sure. So I don't I don't stress about it, right? Um, I'm like you know if if I'm here. And I'm gonna cook eggs for the kids. I'm, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna have some eggs. Yeah,
1: <laughs> maybe a
0: pancake. Everyone a, <laughs> a peach pancake. Yeah, super <laughs> so um, good. You gotta try them out.
1: Yeah, I'd like to. Um, there was something else that you said that I was gonna touch on. Um, I can't really remember it. So maybe never. It'll come back to you. Okay, yeah. You got notes. (laughs) Okay. You went off my notes. That was a problem. Okay, back to your notes. No. Where are we at? Um, Oh, no, I know what I was going to say. Here we go. Um, So you said, you know, what's the difference between like ignoring that hunger and then just like pushing it aside? So I think um, one of the biggest differences is differentiating between that physical and emotional hunger. Um, So that physical hunger, true hunger, it gradually comes on, right? And it usually gradually dissipates eventually um, or it's not just like super present in the front of your mind. It's one of those things where it's like if you are in a meeting at work, your stomach starts rumbling. Okay, I'm hungry, but you don't have to eat right then. You know, it is something physical hunger is something that you can wait a little bit. But it's about are you ever nourishing that need or not. Um, and then also kind of a time frame there. Um, but usually kind of like you said, there's kind of these waves where your hunger goes up and down. Usually it's about an hour. Um, so I always tell people if you're trying to decide between if it's emotional or physical hunger, ride the wave for about 20 minutes. Um, don't do it. Like if you really want that donut in the break room, hold off for 20 minutes. And usually that craving will dissipate if it's emotional hunger.
0: Especially if it was warm when it arrived, and then thirty minutes later, <laughs> yeah, it it's is not as good. Be cold. It's exactly, not, it's not even worth it at that point.
1: See, there you go. Uh
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, man, I just your, your disease leapt onto me. I had something to say, but I forgot. <laughs> Okay. Well, so if you think where, of it. Where are we at on the uh, next okay. list here? So,
1: you know, I, we're talking about all these things about mindful eating, and it sounds really great. You know, it's a really good way to get in tune with your body. Being in tune with your body is the best way to know, you know, what exactly do you need, right? A lot of people will ask us, well, how many calories should I be eating a day? It's impossible to know. Um, it changes on a daily basis, um, and it changes. I'm, I'm in, the wrong
0: person to ask about calories.
1: Right. I mean, I mean, we don't do calories. But again, that's why, right? Because it's it's a moot point. It's like, why would you even? track that if it's something that's changing all the time.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I didn't <clears throat> realize it when I did it, but I guess you could call call this mindful eating. <clears throat> when I really changed my diet, it, w- it was because I was having 2.30 p.m. somnolence. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. keep my eyes open. Yeah. And at that point in my life, I was kind of, the. You know, my wife actually called me the sandwich king <laughs> because that's what I was having for lunch. Two big pieces of bread, lots of mm, meat, mm-hmm. all the condiments, sandwich, easy, healthy. Mm-hmm. Just kidding, quote unquote. Uh, but then <laughs> I, you know, like at two thirty, three o'clock, I, you know, I'd be falling asleep talking to patients, mm-hmm. and so I was like, I, I I've got to change that. Like that right. can't happen. Yeah. And uh, so when I started changing things, that was like one of the first things that I noticed is I didn't have that anymore,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it, it drove me to continue for sure to, uh, because I was more in tune with. You know, what What am I going to eat? And what's it going to do to my body? What, mm-hmm. How's my body going to respond, basically?
1: Yeah, and your body gives you a lot of amazing clues like that, like um, tiredness, uh, brain fog we've talked about, um, even things like soreness and stuff like that after workouts can be a good indicator. Uh, I mean, and there, like a classic example that I think of is when people are anemic and they chew on ice. Um like, okay, that that's like one of the known things like, hey, you might be anemic if you're chewing on ice a lot or craving ice because um, there's physiological processes in the body that cause those signals to be given. So the more you pay attention to those things and then kind of start, I guess you'd say honoring them and changing things to make those better, um, the more you will, you'll see that progress. Be encouraged.
0: Did you read the Dorito effect?
1: Um, partially, yeah.
0: Did you get to the part where he talks about the goats and intuitive eating?
1: I didn't. Um, I read like
0: You didn't read the book. Just forget. She didn't read the book. No, I read like the, the
1: uh, yeah, I read the cover, and then I read like the last chapter, and then I read like the title of all of the...
0: Are you that person that reads the last chapter Mm -hmm. to see if you want to read the book?
1: Only on like uh, informational books, not on like like fictional books. Yeah. Yeah, No, thank you.
0: Um, Well, he was talking about, uh, so the the Dorito effect, and I think you're going to touch upon this in a second, is how industry manipulates... The flavoring and nutritional mm-hmm. content of foods to make you want to eat more of it. Right. Uh, so he like he started he was studying goats like in the Arizona desert, and so what they would notice is if they if they took something away from the goats like some specific grass or weed uh, or um, that the goats would get deficient. Well, then the goats would move. They would move mm, and mm-hmm. go find that specific, uh, you know, tree branch, weed, whatever it was that yeah. they that those. Like I mean, goats don't like. Oh, like hey, it's a cheese board. Let's go for that. <laughs> right. It, it was more like, oh, that has what I'm missing, and they would eat it until they got, uh, they got their levels back up, mm-hmm. and then the goats would move on. Yeah. But it. But until they satisfied that nutritional need, they would not mm-hmm. move away from that one, you know, source of food. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that, but all that to say, like,
1: you your know, body's we're, we're intuitive. Yeah.
0: And in, and I think in that same study, he quoted uh, like they uh, i don't think you can do these experiments anymore but they had like 50 <laughs> kids like locked up oh, like yeah, no <laughs> like 30 30 40 years ago and they would uh big table and they would just put all kinds of food out like pancake oh, yeah. meat uh cheese and they just watched what the kids picked for you know like 30 40 days mm-hmm. and they noticed like some days they would come in and grab a pancake the next day they would come in and eat sausage and then but in the, I don't know if they were checking blood, but their choices were based off their nutritional needs mm-hmm. that were going on.
1: Right. But I do this experiment with my kids on a daily basis. I think one of the coolest things, if you have kids, maybe try this. Um,
0: we're not e- promoting experimenting on children.
1: <laughs> Just your own children. Just your own <laughs> um, I, whenever, So, for example, whenever I pack my kids' lunch, um, I always include some type of something that I wouldn't normally give them like on a regular basis. Uh, So also for clarification, I just started packing my kids lunch because we're getting ready for them to start school. Uh, So this is new to me, but I will put, so for example, today I put some M&Ms in their lunch and it's fascinating for me to watch um, when they bring back their lunchbox. Some days the M&Ms are gone and they only ate a couple other things. Other days the M&Ms are literally still there. They do not always choose the M&Ms or the chocolate or, or the whatever that I give them. That's not normal for us.
0: Or is it a learned behavior? Like if they come back with RIMM still in their in their lunchbox, so they get a Attaboy. From no,
1: mom? mom doesn't say anything. Oh, okay,
0: so, yeah. So r- randomized, controlled, double blind. That's
1: right. Study <laughs> Nelson on two household people. study on yeah. two kids, four and five. I think it's underpowered, (laughs) but also try to like do a charcuterie board meal with your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, We do that every now and then we'll just put like a little charcuterie board in the middle of the floor in the living room and they get to go for whatever they want to first. Oftentimes there's like some, I don't know, some chocolate covered almonds or, you know, some type of a quote unquote treat food. They don't always go for it first. It's fascinating. And sometimes I never go for it. So try it out. Okay. All
0: right. Challenge accepted.
1: (laughs) So the downside of mindful eating, though, is that our bodies have basically been conditioned to give you the wrong signals. And that's for a lot of reasons. Um, So kind of we talked about, you know, when you're an infant, you have that natural instinct. I know that I need to eat and this is what I need to eat and how much how frequently, all of that. Um, But over time, whenever we ignore those signals or we're trained by our parents or by schools, things like that to act differently, um, your brain adapts. And so it adapts in many ways. um, But one of them or one way is that it can change your appetite control, um, which ultimately is going to change how you experience hunger and fullness um, and so I think that's probably one of the biggest things. You know, the longer you tend to push off, let's say you're feeling hungry, but you're like, nope, if I eat, I'm going to gain weight. So I'm not eating. The longer you push that off, the more hormonal changes you're going to get that are negative in the long term as far as maintaining or losing your weight.
0: Okay. That's pretty good insight. Yeah. So as you were talking about that, I remembered what I was going to say earlier. Oh, good. It, it all came back. <laughs> but it feeds into this. Uh, I think. One of the bigger challenges with talking about, uh, you know, mindful eating, is kind of your hormonal state going into this adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, you know, uh, how, how's your body fueled? The, the metabolic flexibility. Sure. So if if I if I'm not metabolically flexible and my body's primarily carbohydrate dependent and carbohydrate driven, I don't particularly have that ability to push past. Right. hunger like if it hits me and my blood sugar's 95 you mm-hmm. know if you're inflexible it's 95 like mm-hmm. you're hangry yeah. you're you're going to you're going to find food like, Right. so now you there's no mindfulness no. in a metabolically inflexible right person which would you say 85% to 90% of the Populations metabolically inflexible.
1: I would. Yep. Absolutely. So probably you know, myself included a well, little so bit there. So when you go pick up <laughs> a book on
0: on uh, uh, intuitive eating, is <clears throat> like, is that something they talk about? Like, hey, where am I? Where am I right now? What's my metabolic? profile
1: look right now. Yeah, no. So it's not really something that's talked about, like in the intuitive eating plan, right? Um, Metabolically specific. Uh, Now, they do talk about like, you know, what's your state of hunger before you're eating? Because that does affect how you eat, what you eat and how much. Um, But no, metabolic flexibility is not typically something discussed. It's more of a honestly, like intuitive or mindful eating is more of a mental practice than it is focused on, uh, metabolism or any of that. Okay.
0: So would you say like the most, uh, mindful eaters out there are the, the vegans that are like hardcore on sourcing?
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, if I'm vegan out there, no, you know, I think the most mindful eaters out there are, um, the ones who kind of grew up in that environment. Um, so not to like brag on myself, but I'm, probably going, going to, to a little bit. Area. Yep. huh? Um, <laughs> so my parents, we grew up, we did not have to finish our plate. Um, they would make us try things occasionally that we didn't want to. Um, we always had food on the table. I think that's another kind of thing we don't talk about is like my parents didn't struggle to provide food for us. Um, so that wasn't a thing. And I think those are the most intuitive eaters, people who weren't focused on, uh, food insecurity or following a certain diet. You know, a lot of 10 year olds, if you ask a 10 year old female, um, like 50% of them will say that they've been on a diet in their life and that it's like, it starts super young. So that's what I would say is the most mindful eaters are the ones who've actually kind of been in a mindful eating setting from the time they were born.
0: So where were you, Bragging on yourself there? Oh, uh,
1: I'm am an intuitive eater. Oh yeah, but <laughs> ding you, ding.
0: You, you said going into this podcast you didn't agree with intuitive eating. Wait, no. Are you backtracking on? No,
1: that? not backtracking. It's I don't in believe in intuitive eating alone. Oh, wow. You got to use it in connection with other things, Would science, Metabo- metabolism. we well, break it down. Uh, things this is, like this that. Is a well, well, hold on. No, 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 not yet, not yet. Yeah. No, we got to talk about other reasons why maybe it's not good to use it by itself um so getting away from those body signals right modern advertising um I mean, this is a huge topic. I think we could do probably five podcasts in and of itself on this topic. But uh, modern advertising, if you're sitting at uh, in your couch um, in the evening time watching whatever show you like to watch, you're being exposed uh, to all sorts of food advertising. Um, Same thing on the radio. Same thing when you drive down the street. And they use all sorts of techniques that I, I don't even know them all. I know a few of them. Like, did you know the color red makes you hungry?
0: Oh man, I just looked at that back. <laughs> Got hungry.
1: Yeah, I mean think of any fast food place that you know of, they probably well, have I heard the color red.
0: It was the red uh, yellow combo. That's the reason Burger McDonald's. King McDonalds, uh In and Out Burger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, Sonic. Red, the the Yeah, Sonic. It's the red yellow combo that like tr- triggers the brain to like want to yeah. order more
1: it's true so they do things okay. like that okay so advertising so
0: we should just ban all things that advertise are <laughs> red red and yellow stay away from that stuff
1: right stay away solid, from it. if it has the red solid and yellow what's advice. the thing about the snake red and yellow kill a fellow there we go just move that on over I to do
0: i don't know if we got that right but it sounds <laughs> it sounds good
1: yeah I mean either i can never remember i'm gonna get bit and i'll be out of luck
0: was that was, was that red
1: or yellow yeah or oh, black okay. and red i don't know oh. <laughs> Um, And then the other one you kind of touched on was the synthetic flavorings. So lots and lots of foods. I mean, pretty much any food that comes in a package, box or a bag is going to have some sort of synthetic flavoring. Um, And what that has done is basically when we're consuming those foods, typically before all of this was introduced into our diet, our body would have been able to notice, hey, you know what? I've been eating a lot of meat recently. I'm kind of missing out on, I don't know, vitamin See over here. Um, and so you would be able to just naturally feel that, and then your body would tend towards more like fruits and vegetables, maybe for a couple of days. But with all of these fortified foods, pretty much everything is in everything. Um, and so you don't, you could basically eat a diet of like pizza and hot dogs and whatever other junk and never really feel that desire to push towards something else because all of those things have been fortified.
0: Yeah, I think that whole business is tricky and criminal. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think what's interesting that we've, we talked about this before, but how a lot of these ingredients that are used in America aren't, or that are they're banned mm-hmm. in other countries. Right. Um, uh, and you know, I think everybody's heard like the, the flavoring, uh, or the, uh, coloring, the dyes, yeah, mm-hmm. the dyes and, and what that does. But, you know, um, th- going back to that book, the, the Dorito effect, we, like he really draws attention to, uh, I mean, these companies spend billions a year synthetically engineering taste Mm -hmm. to trick your mind and have you eat more of it. Yeah. There's a reason you can't just eat one chip.
1: Right. <laughs> right. There is a reason. There's
0: chemicals in there that make it impossible to For eat sure. just one chip.
1: Yeah. And and it's a huge industry. I mean, I don't, I don't know the number on it, but I mean, these people are constantly researching. They're researching how to reach adults. They're researching how to reach children um, and how to give those flavor profiles. And as like the modern American diet changes, um, how does that change their need to... You know I guess manufacture their foods in a different way, hmm. it's wild, scary, it scary is scary, stuff. yeah, um but another one kind of on that topic is just kind of like modern farming and breeding practices, basically being you know we want a higher yield product uh, that has lower nutrient density, and um that's just for money, right, you know, the more you can produce with the least amount of resources is better for you monetarily.
0: Dang, capitalism.
1: <laughs> right. We won't get into that, right? that's yeah, it's tricky. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> um, but, you know, those are typically, so like we're talking about beef and chicken and fruits and vegetables, those are what we would typically think of as being, you know, healthier foods for us. Um, but they've kind of gotten to this point where like, I don't know, whenever you get some chicken that you, I don't know, bought mass produced at Walmart, it doesn't actually taste good unless you add a bunch of salt or fat or flavoring tastes, tastes to it. Like it chicken. It doesn't taste like it. Actually, chicken doesn't taste like chicken. Right, it just tastes like rubber um, if you cook it like I do. Well, that's
0: a whole whole different topic.
1: Um, Yeah, so same thing with the farming and breeding practices. And then also just heavily processed foods in general. They're more palatable. Um, You know, they've got the the added fats, the added sugars, the added flavorings, uh, all sorts of things. I just think of chips as like, you know, the easiest one to describe. You literally can't stop eating them. And I think part of that goes into brain chemistry as well with food addiction, those super palatable foods and palatable, just meaning like they taste really good. Um, Your, your taste buds really like them.
0: Everything, the taste, the mouthfeel, mouthfeel. uh, Yeah. Everything
1: exactly and so those are really uh, appealing to your body and they do they tend to research has shown that they tend to uh, provide a similar effect as being addicted to some type of substance alcohol drugs something like that so you really can develop you know this food addiction um, from consuming these highly processed foods
0: that's the plug for the book that we're eventually going to talk about you know the uh the habits, the Atomic Habits. Yes, book. Atomic yeah. Habits. And he talks by about James the, the dopamine hit with food mm-hmm. and the process of developing habits and addictions. And mm-hmm. um, but it's the food industry knows all that. Uh, oh yeah. So they're helping you form really bad habits.
1: Yep, on purpose, yeah. so that you will give them more money. Yeah. Yeah. Dang capitalism. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah, Um, yeah, I'll actually have to share an article. uh, It's an older article from 2012, but it really talks about food addiction and like what's the science behind it. But then also like, hey, how can you overcome it, right? Because I think a lot of people, when you think food addiction, they think, well, I'm not getting over that. And like, food's a part of my daily life. I'm just gonna be there forever, but it's not true.
0: Yeah, so two things there. Um, I, you know, just looking at my own journey uh, to beat the, the dead horse here. We're Please not being, do. we're not any <laughs> we don't have, any um, but I, I couldn't participate in any of this stuff we're talking about in, until I, I kind of attained that metabolic flexibility. Um, and it, I don't know if people know that term, but, uh, I, I can use fat I, or I can use fat off my body or I could use food that I've eaten inconsequential. My energy stayed the same because then that allowed me to, um, you know be be a little bit more conscientious of the food. I, mm-hmm. I don't get caught in pickles where like well pickles are good but <laughs> I, I don't get caught in like a situation where hey the only thing here to eat is this really nasty unhealthy thing mm-hmm. and i'm so hungry that i got to eat it because that's the only thing there i can sure. literally look at it and say I right, you I'm know good. that's not part of my overall plan i'm, I'm not going to do that but if i if if i was in that that sugar deprivation Mm-hmm. State like that pizza is going down. Oh, absolutely. You know. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then the second thing is, uh, I, I think it's Blue and I have a lot of conversations uh, about this, and uh, he got asked this at our our meeting the other day uh, at the clinic. You know, the affordability of yeah. of this, and you know, that should probably be follow up podcast. Is like, how do you eat healthy on a budget? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, looking at. You know, we just talked about the evils of how certain things are grown and certain things are produced. Number one is knowing the difference, number two is being able to afford the difference. Mm-hmm. So, can you right. speak to how you would approach that?
1: Uh, I think I would approach it fairly simply, as in, you've got to control what you can control. Um, So for a lot of people, like your income's not something that's going to change. So then it's about where am I putting those dollars, right? Um, Am I putting, I I don't know, am I putting those dollars to my kids' school supplies or my electric bill? You know, what flexibility do you have there from a budget standpoint? I think um, we overthink a lot of times healthy eating. Healthy eating doesn't have to be that you are, you know, I don't know, buying the most expensive beef or the most expensive organic quote unquote vegetables. Um, It can be different for every person and I think it's all on a spectrum too. I know we talk about that a lot but it's true. It is. It's all on a spectrum. It's like where are you now versus where do you want to be? How can we get your budget to get you there? Priorities. 1% a day. That's right. 1% a day. Coming soon. Yeah. From the book. For sure. (laughs) Um, So kind of the conclusion of, you know, what is some of the downfalls of mindful eating? So we talked about that, you know, your body is adapted differently oftentimes. So the downfall is it can't just be used by itself. They're great techniques. um, And kind of like you mentioned, maybe once you've reached a certain point, they're great techniques to kind of keep you on track um, with healthful eating and overall wellness. But it's maybe for somebody who has been an emotional eater or who's been part of the Happy Plate Club or whatever for so long, that may not be the best place for you to start is just straight up mindful eating because you're basically your body is going to be lying to you you're going to be wanting the pizza and the crackers and the chocolate and that's what you're you're going to think oh well i'm listening to my body i'm doing mindful eating when really your body's kind of betraying you there
0: yeah and um, i think (coughs) mindful eating has to be a part of a whole mindful approach Mm -hmm. it can't just apply to eating Right. Right. And so I, I talk to my, pa- every one of my patients hears this. I, I I think, I think we all talk about goals mm-hmm. and getting very specific, you know, when people come in and say, I want to lose weight. Well, that's vague. Right. Um, I mean, is it two pounds? Is it 50? Is it a hundred? You know, what is it? Uh, you got to get specific. Like I, you know, I want to lose this much weight or I want to be able to walk a mile without getting short of breath or I want to be able to get on the ground with my grandkids or my kids. And yeah. I want to keep up with my kids or I want to ride a roller coaster or I want to r- sure. ride an airplane without having to have a belt, seatbelt extender. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to get very t- touchable, tangible type goals because yeah. only then can you actually be mindful about anything. For sure. So when I wake up and I kind of analyze how I'm going to approach today, like, well, what am I, what am I working on? Cause, mm-hmm. Because if I'm not working on anything, it's really hard to be mindful definitely uh, about anything. Like, I got to be mindful about exercise. I got to be mindful about stress management. I got to be mindful about sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I don't have any, you know, North, if I, if I don't have the North star, like, right. What, how am I making those decisions? Uh, because, right. you know, if, if, uh, if my mindfulness goal is to not waste food, mm-hmm. then that's just a different approach. Absolutely. Uh, so you have to have that, that, that goal, that orientation. The compass. Yeah. To like really mm-hmm. make your whole life Mindful,
1: definitely. You
0: know, because yeah. how, how what motivates me to go work out? Well, my my motivation is I'm mindful about how my body is going to function when I'm 85. Sure, uh, I'm not there yet, long ways away. <laughs> but you got to I I, I I know that my I'm training to to be old. Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. and my 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 dietary choices are somewhat of that nature too. Like, yeah, do I feel bad right now? No. Well, let's have pizza, you know, right. or let's have you know whatever. But, you know, how how am I going to – how's that going to look down the road? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people don't come to a conversation like this until something kind of slapped them in the face. Definitely. Like I got diabetes or mm-hmm. I need a knee replacement or I have such bad sleep apnea that my wife won't sleep in the same room with me or, you know, we have all these old things that kind of, you know, kind of bring it – make it make it a, a, a real deal. Um, but let's not get to that point, I For guess. Sure. Or if we're at that point, let's, you know, let's make some changes. hmm
1: yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's great. Just kind of like resetting your compass. Um, whether that be like from what we we're talking about, like with mindful eating, like first, you got to reset your body, like get it back on track um, to just kind of orienting your day around, Hey, what, what am I trying to achieve here? And what's going to get me there? Because if you've got these goals in mind, but you're not doing things throughout the day, that's going to get you there. And then, you know, what, are you really working towards those goals?
0: Okay. Well, since we're since we're here we got a few extra minutes here okay okay six minutes um what do you uh just kind of people that have cleaned things up they're 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 being mindful and they hit the wall and Mm -hmm. they're stuck on high center frustration setting in if that was your practice where would you go
1: Yeah. So I would kind of go back to the basics. Um, you know, I would look and see, okay, am I nourishing my body? Well, am I choosing good foods? I'd kind of look at my stress levels. You know, is there something trying to pinpoint something like, is there a reason where I'm just like stuck? I'm not moving forward. I'm not moving backwards. I just am Uh, figuring out if there's a reason. Um, and then I always just like specifically with nutrition, just tell people change something up. Um, I think a lot of times when you are going really hard towards a goal, you get stuck doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, like your daily routine, you wake up, you have the same breakfast, you have the same lunch, you have the same dinner, you do the same exercise at the same time at the same place. Um, and so changing something, um, and it can be even really small, but then I also think too, recognizing, is this standstill a bad thing? you know, uh, cause oftentimes it's not with weight loss specifically. Um, it's oftentimes your body is just regrouping. Um, and it might just be, you need a little bit of rest or you're becoming more metabolically flexible. And so maybe there's some adjustments that you need to make there. So it's, it's a signal from your body actually. So you can be a little more mindful about that.
0: Okay. Well, is it too early to plug the gala?
1: Um, I mean, no, I don't think so. Let's, Let's just do it. Let's talk a little bit about this. I'm okay. going to tease
0: it. Like, hey, if you listen to the end of this podcast, <laughs> you you may get some information. That's going to be fun.
1: Okay, yeah. So um, we are super excited. Mostly me, I think, at this point, because I'm the one planning I'm excited.
0: it. <laughs> you no, but are, like, you are I'm like overly the party, excited. The party planning committee, you yeah. know, i.e. office. You
1: know. <laughs> I always tell people, you know, if I had another career to choose, i tell them a couple things, but one of them is event planning. So super excited. But we are going to do, hopefully, sometime this year in 2022, um, a little party just to celebrate the successes of the people who've walked through this office. Because oftentimes, um, you know, it's just one of those things where we do keep in touch with you guys. You guys come into the office and we want to celebrate that, but we want to celebrate it on a big scale.
0: Okay. Is that a teaser? Teaser? Yeah. Details to come.
1: Details to come. Yeah. But expect a really good time. Okay. With really good food. All right. (laughs) Oh, wait. But I also wanted to say something about Kids eating with kids. Okay, yeah, Do we have fire, time. Far away. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's so if you've got kids at home, <laughs> <laughs> um, it shouldn't take more than that. If you've got kids at home, um, this is actually also kind of pioneered by the same woman who. Uh, Developed intuitive eating in the book and all of that. Um, But there is kind of a breakdown. Um, It's called the division of responsibility in feeding. If you want to look it up, you can Google it and it'll literally probably come up with a PDF for you. Um, But as time goes on, the division of responsibility changes. So when uh, you're an infant, right? Um, The infant is in charge of how much they eat. Like, let's say you're giving a bottle. They're in charge of how much of that bottle they eat.
0: I've been spit up on many times.
1: (laughs) Oh, me too. I have PTSD. (laughs) Uh, But they're also in charge of, like, when they eat. So when they cry or when they're hungry, you feed them, right? Um, The responsibility of the parent is to... uh, produce that, you know, give them that food, that nourishment, Um, but also what, you know, are you nursing? Are you doing a bottle feed? If you are doing a bottle feed, what is it? And then that kind of grows into toddlerhood whenever they start kind of having opinions, um, which we all know that's lovely. I don't want that. Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. And they're throwing it on the table or the floor. Um, So that's where it kind of changes your, um, your division of responsibility shifts. And so as time goes on, uh, the parents are basically their responsibilities are fewer and fewer. Um, So let's take, you know, once you're in high school, Pretty much at that point, you are as the child. You're responsible for when you eat, um, and you're responsible for how much you eat. But your parents are probably still buying the groceries, right? And so the parents are still bringing food into the house. And so it, it kind of shifts, you know, over time. Uh, when they're toddlers, you still have control over when they eat. Um, you don't give them a snack every one hour when they ask, or every ten minutes when they ask, right?
0: I think the the most important thing to know about kids is it's okay to say no. For sure. Yeah. And don't feel guilty. Mm-hmm. No, don't have any parental guilt by saying no. Yeah. Actually, have you ever read the book The Power of No? I have not. Oh, It's great because when you do say yes, they're like, <gasps> <laughs> like "Oh, oh
1: I said yes!" Said yes. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So, like,
0: your <laughs> default answer is always no, no. Yeah. And you know, he was talking about it just from the busyness standpoint. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? You want to go to the lake? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then you can think about it and say, "Hey, I thought about it. I, I, I do want to do that." But the default answer, just sure. being no.
1: Yeah protect your I don't know if I encourage that space I yeah. thought it was pretty interesting so kind of like wasn't there a movie like yes man so it's like the opposite of that
0: I don't know what that movie's about no so okay I don't, I don't well maybe don't watch that. it I
1: don't know if it's a good thing or not <laughs> maybe x-rated for all. You're I know. right. I'm not, sorry not plugging if that one erase that <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so look up the division of responsibility in feeding, because I do actually think that's super helpful for parents um, in knowing, hey, what is my role here? Um, your role is pretty much never um, to tell your kids how much to eat um, as much as you want to, as much as you want to be like, hey, like me at dinner last night. Hey, if you don't eat that chicken, you are going to be so hungry. You're going to wake me up at 6 a.m. because your stomach is grumbling and you're hungry. And I know it's because you didn't eat a full balanced meal. But you know what? It wasn't my decision to make. It was his. He made the wrong one, but <laughs> it you know, happens.
0: I have a quote for that, but I'll save that for another day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so you're you're, say, you're literally saying like we're uh, parents are not in control of volume.
1: Parents are not in control of volume. Now, certain things you could be. So, for example, it's not a normal situation for a kid to have unlimited access to everything all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's say you sit down for dinner and... I don't know, um, you had something with a roll on the side, okay? Um, and your kid keeps asking for another roll and another roll and another roll.
0: Without eating uh, anything else.
1: Without anything else. That's, that's not normal, right? That's because, what family does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there's not enough for everybody. It's not unlimited. Food's not unlimited. Um, and so there is a cutoff point. So it's, it's not unlimited access always. We that's try to, what I'm saying.
0: When we, when we cook you know, stuff that I personally wouldn't view as, as healthy, we try to make a limited supply. Right. Like I don't want leftovers of the spaghetti Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't want there being an unlimited supply of noodles so they can just go back and go back and go back. Right. So we try to like control that like, hey, yeah, eat as much as you want, but there's not much of it. So be careful. Yeah. Uh, But we do like uh, and tell me if this is wrong or not, but we do tell them, hey, you need to listen to your stomach. Mm -hmm. Like, do you really you really need that? Is that wrong? Am I creating?
1: No, no. And I think if you, it kind of depends on how you ask it. You know, if they know like, hey, every time dad says, listen to your stomach, he actually means eat your veggies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that does not work yet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But no, that's not a wrong thing. You know, encouraging your kids to be, hey, like check in with your tummy. Is it hungry? Is it full? Um, Is it wanting something specific or just wanting something in general?
0: Hmm. My four-year-old would answer that and not the way that I want him to answer it. (laughs) Yeah. I'll experiment with that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Please do.
0: Anything else, Chelsea?
1: No, I think think we covered it.
0: Okay. Plus some. Yeah, plus some. Man, lots of
1: good little tips in here.
0: Okay. Well, we'll see you guys next time.
1: Okay. Thank you. (laughs)